Hey everybody, welcome to Pedestal. Today we are continuing our open book series walkthrough of the book of James, where we finish up chapter one. And so we're, we're a fifth of the way there after this episode. Man, God has some powerful truths here, and just like he has in the past three episodes that we've had in James, it is a amazing book. It is an amazing uh, writing and, and letter written by the brother of Jesus. So I'm excited that you all are here and listening to this, and I'm excited to dive into this. So welcome to Pedestal. If you are new, if this is your first time listening to Pedestal, welcome, welcome, welcome. Pedestal is a community of people who understand that though each human is a beautifully crafted piece of art, we are not the greatest artwork in the museum. In fact, our cracks and fractures are not even worthy of display, yet we are still valuable. Our value, however, is found in elevating the perfect artwork in order to glorify the master artist, our creator. And so we get to serve and live our life elevating Jesus Christ high above all things. So, welcome. All right, so let's just jump on into it then. So James writes, starting in verse 19, he, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and that evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious uh, without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right. So he starts off by saying, hey, understand everyone needs to just listen more. Be quick to listen. The first thing that we should do in any situation when there's a conflict, when there's anything going on, is listen and be very slow to speak and slow to anger. Um, We mentioned kind of part of this in the Heal Heal Our Land episode that I did a, a few weeks back talking about social justice issues. Because, you know, we got two ears and one mouth, so we should be listening twice as often as we're speaking. And so this is a similar a similar statement. Be quick to listen. Make sure we're listening first. Make sure we're listening to the problems, listening to the issues that are happening. Slow to speak and slow to anger. And then he says, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So when we get mad, when we get frustrated uh, in our own human fleshly bodies, we're, we're not accomplishing God's righteousness. And our life is to live 
a righteous life. What does righteous mean? Righteous means to be in, in right standing with God, in good standing with God, and, and living the way that He wants us to live and that He's created us to live. And so they're saying right here, your human anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. So let's let's not get angry. Be very slow to anger. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So as you're ridding yourself, as, as you're getting rid of, of moral dirtiness, and, and we mentioned in the last episode, right? Like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you thinking about? What are your... What are the things that you're feeding yourself? Are you eating a healthy spiritual diet or not by the things that you listen to and things that you watch and the things that you um, just put your, the situations that you put yourself in and the people that you put yourself around? Like, are those healthy? Are those good things? And if they're not, then we need to rid ourselves of that moral filth, the things that are corrupting our morality and, and how we think about things that are are pure, right? And the evil that's so prevalent. And while we do that, we humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, all right, I'm going to get out of this situation. I'm going to stop listening to this stuff. I have to stop watching this, this Netflix series that I think is so good because, you know, as I watch it, I feel myself getting these lustful thoughts or I feel myself getting just angry or, or, or thinking things that are not of God. And as I do that, I say, God, I'm going to rid myself of this. And so I humbly receive your implanted word, which is able to save my soul and, and listening to good, good quality music, music that's going to be fulfilling, that is pleasing to the Lord and reading scripture and listening to podcasts and people who are talking about wholesome things that are that are righteous and and upstanding with the lord so it says but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves see man if 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 we are not doing what we're hearing then what are we even hearing it for what's the purpose in even listening to something um some direction if i'm not gonna be obedient to it right if I, it makes you think about like when you have when when you're having a test and you have to read the whole prompt, right? The teachers always like make sure you read the whole prompt, read everything that it says, because if if you don't read it carefully, then you're going to make a mistake because you you missed a word or you missed something. What they're saying is, as you're hearing it or as you're reading it, right? So as you're hearing it, put that into action. Put what you hear into action. And so when it says what is five minus three, right? Make sure you're not doing five plus three because what's the purpose in even reading the prompt if you're just going to do whatever you want to do with it and not actually take it to heart and do it? And that's a very you know broken down, simple version of it. But, but seriously, what's the purpose in even listening to it and, and trying to hear it if you're not going to actually do it? Because really what you're doing is deceiving yourself is what they're saying. That... Oh man, this is good right here. So yeah, you may go to church every Sunday and you may listen to Christian music in the car and you may even go to a Bible study and do different things like that. And you're obviously listening to this podcast. So you're feeding yourself with trying to feed yourself with some sort of 
uh, good, uh, nutritious spiritual food, right? But if you're not doing, if you're not taking action upon that, right? If you're not actually living that out with your life and you, you're, you're still thinking the same old um, immoral thoughts and you're talking gossip behind people's back and you're, you're not forgiving people and you're all that, then what's the pur- purpose in even going to the church? And what's the purpose in even listening to this stuff if you're not going to challenge yourself and strive to be a doer of that word? Really, here's here's what it is. You're, you're trying to deceive yourself. You're trying to make yourself feel better than what what you are. You're trying to feel, make yourself feel like you are in a better standing with the Lord or, or in a walking relationship with the Lord when you're really not. And that's why we'll see those things, like I've mentioned in Matthew, where it says, you're, many people are going to come to me and say, we've done this in your name. We've, we've done these miracles. We've prophesied and all this stuff. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Those people deceived themselves while on earth. They made themselves think that they were doing what God wanted them to do just because they were around it and hearing all this kind of stuff. Um, but they weren't actually living all these things out and they weren't forgiving people and they weren't, you know, hoping in the Lord and at all times they were thinking it was their own doing that made them righteous and, and those types of things. That's gosh, that's a good word. And you can go forever talking about just that verse right there. But it says deceiving yourselves because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror for he looks at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So in verse 23, Charles Spurgeon writes down here, I'm going to read that real quick because 23 says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. So Spurgeon says, Scripture gives a truthful reflection of a person's nature. It lets a man see himself, but not as others see him, for others make mistakes. Nor does it show a person what he would see himself, for he is apt to be partial to his own soul. Rather, Scripture makes him see himself as God sees him. The holy book does not flatter human nature. When conscience is awakened and a person sees himself as the revelation of God declares him to be, he can hardly think that this can be the same self with which he was on such excellent terms. Man, that's that'll cut you into the core. Oh my goodness. So when we're looking at this, right, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. He's saying, when you're looking at scripture, you can't possibly look at scripture and read it and, and think I'm, I'm perfect. I'm really good. And see yourself in this perfect light because God holds us up to such a high standard, a standard of perfection that we can never possibly say, you know, I've reached my point. I've reached perfection. I've reached exactly where God wants me to reach. We can't possibly do that. And so Scripture kind of humbles us in that way and helps us to see our flaws, not not for the purpose of shaming us, but for the purpose of humbling us and trusting in God more. 
knowing that God is going to continue to fix those flaws and he's going to continue to change us and, and grow us into who he is, but we can't do it on our own. And when we look at scripture, using scripture as a mirror, when we look at that, we automatically see, oh, I'm dirty, I'm unworthy, I'm, I'm not righteous. And so I don't want to deceive myself in, in thinking that I am. That's why reading scripture is so important because it, it reminds you. As Again, I told you all I'm going through this Deuteronomy study. It, it says, remember that, who, that I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Like we have to remember where we come from. We have to remember what our flaws are. We have to remember what God's brought us out of and what God has created us into. And if we don't do that, then we're gonna then we're gonna fall down the wayside and we're gonna go down this dark path of destruction uh, based on pride. Whew, man, that's good. So we have to look at Scripture as a mirror, saying, "Oh gosh." Yeah, and that's why we look at it every single day constantly because it, it tells us this is where your shortcomings are, but I'm going to change that if you just trust in me. I'm going to grow you in that if you just trust in me. I'm going to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control if you just trust in me and, and stay humble and stay focused on me and not on your own self. Man, that's good. And so in verse 24, it says, for, if he, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Hmm. So if he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Huh, that's interesting. I don't I don't fully understand that, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, okay, so Spurgeon has some talks some words on this too. So fortunately, maybe it'll help me understand this a little better. So he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. I understand like what the point he's saying at, but I feel like looking at a mirror I guess yeah, I guess you could forget your flaws. Like you kind of you see the flaws that you're trying to you're trying to fix and you're trying to change, and then you walk away and you you don't know exactly what that looks like. And, and gradually throughout the next few minutes, hours, whatever, you yeah. So I guess that that makes sense. You kind of forget what what you where your flaws are, and you start thinking that oh, I don't have any. You know that thing that was in my tooth isn't there anymore. But you got something else in your tooth now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Let's see what Spurgeon says. He says, Looking in the mirror and noticing a black mark on our forehead is mere child's play if we do not wash the spot away. To see ourselves as God would have us see ourselves in the mirror of Scripture is something. But we must afterwards go to Christ for washing or our looking is superficial work. Ooh, that's good. Okay, that's really good. So it's saying, what's the purpose in looking in the mirror? And that's probably a much better understanding of it. What's the purpose in looking in the mirror if you're not going to fix it? If you're not going to get whatever is is there and, and actually change it? What's the purpose in looking in the mirror? Just to validate yourself? But when you look in the mirror, you can't really validate yourself because that's when you see that. Like he mentions the black mark on our forehead. Once you see that. What's the purpose in even looking in the mirror? Okay, now you know you have a black mark on your forehead, but are you not going to clean it? 
and we can't clean it ourselves, but we need Christ to clean that for us. We, our, our sins, our flaws, our shortcomings, our offenses to the Lord, those type of things, we have to get those changed and renewed. And we can't just look at them and notice them and say, all right, cool. But once you notice that you, you, it, it senses an urge in you that I want this fixed. I don't want this anymore. And so scripture, ooh, that's good. Mm. So scripture is that mirror that helps you see the flaws. It shows you the standard in which God has for us and what he wants us to live by. So it shows your own shortcomings in that. But when we look in the mirror, when we look in the mirror of scripture, and we see that it's it's not good enough just to look at the scripture and 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 see that and recognize it because it's that's obviously going to push you into wanting to get that cleaned off of you if that makes sense so so my question then would be are if you are reading scripture if you are going to church and listening if you are listening to christian music and and trying to fill your your mind and your soul and saturate yourself in healthy spiritual things, then are you really actually paying attention to what they're saying if you're not noticing these flaws? Like if you're reading your scripture every day and you're somehow validating that you're a good person or you're somehow validating that that you've got it all figured out or that if you just work harder that you'll have it figured out, like then you're not really actually looking at scripture. You're missing the entire point of what they're trying to say here. And so let's not just let, let's not act like we're looking in the mirror or let's not look in the mirror and just walk away without getting cleansed. And to be honest, I don't think that you really can. Once you see that you have that downfall or that flaw going on, I feel like to me, I mean, if anybody sees something in their tooth, they're going to try to pick it out. If anybody sees a black mark on their forehead, they're going to try to clean it off because, you know, let's get this fixed. And so if you're reading scripture, if you're listening to this stuff, don't deceive yourselves if, if everything that you're listening to and hearing and reading is just validating yourself. Now, also don't, also don't understand that this isn't to drive you to shame. Because as I've mentioned before, shame is not what we're going for. Shame, when at the, in the creation story in Genesis 2, it finishes before sin comes into the world. It climaxes, it peaks at they were both naked and they felt no shame. So shame was was never intended for us to, to be felt until sin came into the world. Conviction is a different thing. Humility is a different thing. Conviction leads to humility. Right, and so don't don't allow this to be shameful to you. Like when you read scripture, just like beat you down. Like I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid. I always fail. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never this. Trust that God's still going to do that work in you. But it's supposed to humble you and say, okay, I can't do this on my own. God, you're right, man. Every time I eat, I get something in my teeth, or every time I try to go out, I've got this stains on my forehead. Every single time. God, I need you to clean it. God, I need you to clean it. And that will make you come back to God each and every morning, each and every evening, each and every night, midday, noon, whatever. And it'll keep you coming back to him knowing, God, clean me, clean me, clean me. I don't want this. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this on me anymore. Mm, That's good. But we must afterwards go to Christ for washing or our looking at superficial work. Man, that's good. Spurgeon's the man. (laughs) He's the man. Okay, so let's just jump to 26. If anyone thinks 
He is religious without controlling his tongue. His religion is useless and he deceives himself. So controlling his tongue is talking about watching what you say, right? It's, it's being mindful of what you say, not being arrogant in what you say, not being um, filthy in what you're saying, not being malicious in what you're saying, anything. There's so many things, that, but your, your tongue, right? We have to really watch what we say. This is, it's very important because what we speak, we speak that into existence. We, we speak that over somebody's life. We speak that over our own life. Whatever it may be, whether we're speaking shame and hurt into our own life, shame and hurt into someone else's life, or overconfidence and pride into our own life, or overconfidence and pride into somebody else's life. You know, like there's there's a wide uh, array of things that we could be doing with our tongues that may all look different, but still be just as toxic, if that makes sense. So if, if you think you're religious without controlling your tongue, your religion is useless and you deceive yourself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. So this is what when we talk about religion. Now I know there's this there's this war on the word religion in the world right now. It's been going for for quite some time, uh, quite a few years that I know of, really since I was young. But it's like you know I don't have I, I'm not a part of a religion. I'm a part of a relationship with the Lord, and I agree with that 100. percent Like it is. It's not about religion and certain rules and certain legalism. That's not what brings you into a relationship with God. That's not what makes you right with God. It's, it is that relationship that makes you right with the Lord. Trusting in Jesus and getting that marital status, that marital relationship with the Lord is what is going to make you right with Him. But religion's not bad either if we have it in the right context. When, when we make it legalistic and about following certain rules and certain things that we can and can't do based off of our interpretation of scripture that's that's wrong but as as verse 27 here says it says pure and undefiled religion before god the father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world and now what's funny about um where it, where it mentions or not funny but uh what's interesting about where, where he's talking about orphans and widows here is in the Old Testament, again, I'm going through this Deuteronomy study, and I remember, I'm going to look it up and see if I can find where exactly. But I remember them. Ta- God was talking about treating orphans and widows well. and this So this is dating back to the Pentateuch, way back in Moses' day when he was talking about do, treat, treat them well. So Deuteronomy 10, 18, he, talking about God, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, so the orphan and the widow. And loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. It's also in Deuteronomy twenty-seven nineteen: Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Actually, it's in Exodus too. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Oh man, I love the Old Testament. I used to be scared to death of it because I didn't understand it and I didn't understand, like it didn't seem, it didn't seem like the same God, but the more I've studied and and understood how God works and how God thinks and how these different covenants 
have required different judgments, that's when I started being able to piece together that, oh, it is the same God. It's just under different covenants. Um, so that's interesting. Isaiah, here we go. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's uh, cause. Psalm 68, 5, father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. It's all over the place, really, all over the Old Testament and everything. So I think it, it's showing that because it's man, it, it's saying, man, love those who can't show you that it's the same thing Jesus used to say, you know, don't invite people to your table invite people to your party that can repay you and pay you back because then that's with selfish motives, but go out and invite those who can't. And I think this is a similar idea is like the orphans and the widows, especially in these cultures, uh, whether Moses culture or whether here in James culture that looking after the orphans and widows, they were so outcast and they really had nothing at the time. And so go being able to like we now have, have have different ways of and organizations that help orphans and different organizations that help widows. But back then those weren't really present. And so these people were complete outcasts, really had nothing, no way they could pay you back, no way that they could help you out in the future, and no way you could use this as selfish leverage. And so that's what they're saying, man. Look after these people, care for these people. That's what true religion is. True religion is essentially what it's saying is love for the marginalized. True religion is love for the people who can't help themselves and can't in turn uh, reward you for your help for them. Similar again, similar to the Good Samaritan story, going out of your way, helping the person who is so downcast on the margins as far as it can go, being a Samaritan person and who's not going to be able to pay you back. So good. Gosh, it's so good. So look after orphans and widows in their distress. So not just look after them while they're all happy and then when they start freaking out like, oh man, I don't know what to do here. No, it's in their distress is when you're looking after them. And to keep oneself, so this is the other part, and to keep oneself unstained from the world is to humble yourself, like I had mentioned earlier. And and like we had mentioned in a, a previous episode, I can't remember which one, but we talked about, you know, as Solomon prayed, give me the wisdom, give me understanding. It was one of these uh, open books. I think it was the second episode of open book. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it talks about in verse 5, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives to you generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. So it's it's that same mentality. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that. But um, it's that same mentality of humble yourself, fall on your knees before the Lord and say, God, I need you to guide me. I need you to make me pure and clean and and, and bring me into a closer relationship with you. Help me to look more like you. And so the true, essentially the true religion is to love on the, the marginalized and those who can't help you back and to have a close, intimate relationship with the Lord so that he will cleanse you and, and, and purify you and purge the evil from your heart, as is mentioned all over Deuteronomy. <laughs> but um, man, so that's interesting. That's good stuff. Gosh. Bible's so cool, man. This is just a a little short blip into Scripture, but I I love doing these. It's so easy and so quick, just kind of running through it. 
but there's so much packed in there and I wish I had more wisdom so that I could I could pull out the other layers of the onion that's here because I know if I read this next week that I'm going to get new stuff out of these same verses. That's just how the Bible is. So I pray that you guys dive into it. You guys, um, th- this is kind of showing you bits and pieces of how I study. But I have a study Bible by Charles Spurgeon. I highly suggest get that. That's a It's a fantastic one. Um, you cross-reference other verses. Um, anything that sticks out in your mind, look it up on uh, Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub and look up the Greek contexts in their interlinear um, versions so that you can see what those original words were and where else they're used in Scripture. Make sure you get the context of the letter. That's maybe the most important part of it all. Um, and go listen to Bible Project while you do this stuff. Speaking of context, I, I just uh, listened to a. Uh, episode that they have i think it's episode number 202 but it's called um context is crucial or context is critical i think it's context is crucial and it's like letters one is what it's called but i highly suggest you go listen to that because it'll 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 it it helps you understand how to read the bible they've got an amazing uh podcast series and an amazing video series, which is much shorter. They, they shorten them into like five-minute videos. All their, their podcast episodes are like an hour long. So if you really want to get the depth and the meat of it, listen to that. Um, but if you just want a short summary then or, or something to kind of pique your interest, go watch their YouTube videos. And they, they're going through this. They've been going through this How to Read the Bible series, and it's incredible, incredible, incredible. But that's one of the things that they talked about in this last episode was or the last episode that I listened to was about how important the context is and understanding the letters and how they're actual real letters being written. We call them epistles, but that's just the Greek word for letter. And these are actual real letters. These aren't supposed to be some big theological breakdowns and uh, you know crazy writings that they're doing in these in a lot of these like that Paul's doing in Romans and then uh, James and then. Second Peter and First Peter and First, Second, Third John and all that kind of stuff. These aren't supposed to be these big, crazy theological sermons, but these are just letters being written to specific groups and sometimes specific people like Philemon um, that are meant to that have a certain context. That if you don't understand that context, you're going to miss a ton of what you're trying to get, and then you're going to start picking, choosing certain verses out of it, and then certain things will look like they're contradictory in the Bible, but but you're you're missing who they're speaking to and why they're speaking it. And then I don't know. That's that's interesting. And I so I pray and I hope that you guys will also redirect your eyes to the Bible Project uh podcast, YouTube. So much amazing, amazing um knowledge and wisdom and understanding there that I know you'll be blessed by. So I think that's it for today. We just finished James one. There we go. There's four more chapters left. So there's only five uh, chapters in the book of James. We finished the first one. Congratulations. Thanks for listening and sticking with me through this series. But um, I hope this encourages you and kind of gets you a little bit fired up about going and diving into the Word yourself. I hope you don't use this as your only Bible study time, but use this to motivate you into your own personal walk with the Lord in your in your quiet time in the mornings or in the afternoons or in the evenings or whenever you choose to dive into that. But I, I pray that this motivates you in that and, and, and brings you closer into a closer 
relationship with the Lord. That's that's the main goal here. So, man, thank y'all for listening. Thanks for sticking with me. And uh, see y'all next time. Much love. God bless.